Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Saturday. You're listening to the Repcolite Home Improvement Show, sponsored by Benjamin Moore. I'm Dan Hansen, and I'm here with Dan Altina, president of Repcolite Paints. Dan? Hi, Dan. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Two Dans for the next little bit, and you're here because Haley's on maternity leave now. Yeah. And she'll be gone till I think, end of August or September. It's going to be forever. Right. It'll feel like it for you. It's going to feel like an eternity until she's <laughs> back. But we thank you for filling in. It's it's much better to talk to somebody than to sit here and just talk to myself. I can imagine. And imagine that there's people listening. Anyway, so we're glad you're here. <laughs> I do have breaking news before we get to the show itself. Haley did have her baby. So the day after Mother's Day, right in the morning. So she, I think the baby arrived at 319 in the morning on Monday. Middle of the night. Yeah. So almost made Mother's Day, which would have been really fun. But came the next day. Baby's healthy. Little little Wally Wallace is healthy. Mom and dad are doing well. So we told you that we'd update you when the baby came. The baby has come. I've done my my job. <laughs> awesome. All right. So we've got a lot of stuff we're going to talk about today. We'll be talking about some VOC regulations, some changes to the Michigan VOC regulations for paint and coatings and stuff yeah. like that. What that looks like, how that plays out. We'll be covering that. We'll also be talking about garden hoses. Right. Which sounds... I mean, pretty thrilling. <laughs> yeah, Both this of those is, things sound this is really thrilling. good stuff. In the first segment, right now, we've only got a little bit because the VOC conversation is pretty big. Before we get to that, let's talk, you know, in honor of Haley and the baby and all of that, birth stories, things leading up to that. Yeah. Do you have anything interesting? I've got a yeah. couple of things that, that were really funny. I thought they were funny. I don't know how my wife felt about the thing. But you. I, yeah. I don't know if funny is the right word, but yeah. I, I think everybody, their first child, goes way overboard with analyzing everything, right? Oh, it's sure. the first time around. And so that was our situation, too. We had a lot of time on our hands to think about how this was all going to go. Sure. And part of the process, we decided we should have a midwife. Midwife kind of just helps this along, helps the process yeah. along. Um, a guide, so to speak, right? Like Gandalf, <laughs> right? Possibly. For the Lord of the Rings aficionados. Right, yeah. So Similar Gandalf to comes to help you yes. through this birth right. process. Right. It's not as magical as it might seem. <laughs> so, yeah, we had it all mapped out. This is how it will go. This will be her role. This will be my role. This will be my wife's role. And uh, we had it all pretty well mapped out and fairly confident that this is what was going to happen. Well... <laughs> well, you, the, here's when you find out that that's how, how yeah, things go. Yeah, the best laid plans, huh? Right. So our son, Emmett, um, he did not want to come out. So after almost two days of labor, oh. the doctor said, all right, we have to, we'll have to just do a C-section here. So you planned for months. Yeah. And the midwife standing right there going, oh, well, okay, that's it for me then. I guess I'm done. <laughs> oh, man. No point at all. So it was a little disappointing, right? I mean, to have done all this preparation. Oh, and disappointing thinking. for Gandalf, too. Yeah. Right, right, right. right. For me, what we had, um, yes, the first kids, that, that's always, you know, you completely overanalyze everything. Yeah. After that. It all feels like old hat. Yeah. So I remember, I don't remember which child it was, but I remember it was a Wednesday. You had so many. I've had, uh, yeah, I've got five. So I remember it was- You can remember all their names. I do, but it does take, sometimes I've got to go through a whole string of them before we land on the right one. But it was a Wednesday night. I remember that because it was Survivor Night. 
and we're oh. watching Survivor at home. I am. My wife's on the couch. I remember that. And I remember her saying, like, at about 8.30, the show starts at 8, goes till 9. She says, at 8.30, I think we got to go to the hospital now. And I said, but, you know, it's like the show's Survivor's not done. Not done. And, <laughs> you know, they got to do the tribal council and all of that. I said, like, are you sure? Or we don't want to overdo this. And she said, well, I said, just can we wait just for a minute? <laughs> and she said, well, yeah, we can wait a little. So we did. And and then it got to be like quarter to nine. And she said, it, we got to go. I said, but <laughs> like 15 more minutes because <laughs> they might vote Rupert off. And I want to see if Rupert stays. And okay, she was very accommodating. Wow. <laughs> we stayed and watched. We got to the hospital right afterwards. You know, I drove in and they get her into the room and they prep her. They say, oh my gosh, you're like dialing <laughs> Why did the you five or so six long? or seven or something like, yes. They said, what were you thinking? And she said, he had to see Survivor and how it ended. And oh, I felt like crawling in a hole. But everything was fine. Right. And I it got, came out reasonably well. Right, right. So I don't know how Haley handled that. I don't I told her that story and every woman that I tell that to just recoils with horror. The, the guys kind of laugh. I'm, and, uh, I'm <laughs> practically recoiling in horror. Here. Well, I was a very shallow and selfish person at that point. I've changed now. Anyway, congratulations to Haley. We're going to take a break right now and when we come back we'll be talking about VOC regulations and what that means for everybody out there. That's all just ahead. Stick around. And we're back. You're listening to the Repcolite Home Improvement Show, sponsored by Benjamin Moore. I'm Dan Hansen, and I'm in the studio with Dan Altina, president of Repcolite Paints, the temporary Haley. Yes, I'm filling in for her while she's on maternity leave. Yes. So, Dan, you had your first segment. You got that out of the way. Yeah. Feel good? Uh, I'm, all, I'm all jacked up. All now. pumped ready up, go. ready to go. Excellent. Now let's jump into something really boring. So we covered something <laughs> really fun. Now we're going to do something really boring, and we're, it's not going to be boring, but it's potentially, you know, it's Saturday morning. People it's, are already reaching for the dial here, Dan. <laughs> no, no, they're used to this. <laughs> this is how it works. It's Saturday morning. It's early. I understand that. This is the time slot we've been given. I've asked for longer. I've asked for different times of the day, but this is what I get. You play the hand you're dealt. I'm, so I'm playing this hand. I want to talk about some VOC regulations that have gone into effect in Michigan as of April. Now, maybe for some paint. of you, right, for paint. Now, maybe some of the listeners, you've heard of this, you knew this was coming, maybe this is brand new news to you, maybe you're wondering why it even mattered to you. Well, we're going to get to all of that because the new regulations are pretty sweeping and they're going to affect topic. some big changes, right? So, as we dig into this, let's just start with what, what VOCs are in the first place. You know, what are they and why are we so worried about regulating? We hear the term all the time, VOCs. Right. You know, in fact, people use this on a you know regular basis in the stores, but a lot of us don't really know exactly what that means. We think right. it means stinky stuff. Right. We don't want doesn't. stinky stuff. And that's not necessarily the case. Right. So what are VOCs? Why are we worried about regulating them in the first place? So on a very simple level, VOCs stands for volatile organic compounds. Mm-hmm. Volatile means it can evaporate at room temperature. Organic compounds are compounds that contain carbon. Okay. So it's as simple as that. Now, that involves thousands, hundreds of thousands maybe of chemicals. And not all of those, of course, are in paint. So what we're talking about is the regulated group of of materials is smaller. Okay. um, But they have a certain effect, which is they're called photochemically reactive. 
which means when, when these things evaporate and they're exposed to sunlight, they generate ozone, O3. Okay. And ozone, you maybe heard about that too. Oh, yeah. You know, way back in the 70s, there's the ozone hole and it's growing and it's in the upper atmosphere and we're all going to burn to death or something was. Well, I remember, yeah, the 80s. I remember elementary school and being terrified. Yeah, it was just driven into us that it was like an apocalyptic thing. Oh, yeah. We were all toast. So ozone in the upper atmosphere is very good. It helps shield the earth from UV rays. Okay. Down at ground level, it's bad. It causes all sorts of adverse health effects, um, respiratory things, mm-hmm. asthma, emphysema, and even in places where there's recorded history of you know large amounts of VOCs in the air, there's higher incidence of lung cancer. So it's just a it's a it's a potentially very harmful chemical. So to have a lot of that around. It's odorless, right? If there's a lot of that in the air, it's going to have an effect on so, everybody's health. So these chemicals aren't necessarily right, and the VOCs things. themselves, these organic chemicals, aren't what we're concerned about. To as far as our health is concerned, it's the ozone that's formed when they're in the, in the presence of sunlight. Okay, that's what we're concerned. That's about. the part we're concerned about. But you could have something that's really stinky. That's not a VOC. That's not a VOC. Acetone is an example. Super stinky. I mean, nail polish remover. Yep. Um, and then there are other things that are com- that are VOCs that are completely odorless. All right. So, so that whole odor thing- It has nothing to Nothing do. to do with it. It's the ozone that's generated because they're photochemically reactive. Correct. They react in the sunlight, ozone's yep. created, and we got a problem. It comes from a variety of different sources. Yeah, not just paint. Paint is a big one, yep. um, but it's nothing compared really in size to, say, power plants and automobiles. Now, over the last you know several decades, all of these things, paint, automobiles, power plants, have all been regulated for the effect of reducing the amount of VOCs that they're generating. Mm-hmm. So our turn now in Michigan with paint has come. All right. So that's why they're regulated. Right. You know, health issues, things like that. Let's talk about why they're in paint in the first place. You know, the, the, yeah. the question might be, well, if they're bad, you know, why don't we just get rid of them entirely? Well, they're needed in paint. They actually sure. play an important role. So both oil-based and water-based paints contain VOCs. Oil-based paints will contain much more mm-hmm. by volume than a water-based paint, but they're necessary in all coatings for different reasons. They act as a solvent in an oil-based paint, and it makes it thin so you can spread it out. Um, In water-based paints, they have also different characteristics, like they'll act as an antifreeze. They act as a coalescing agent, which is a fancy word that we don't need to get into what that means. They have these sort of um, effects that boost the performance of paints. Right. So that's why they're necessary. When you remove them entirely, paint becomes very difficult to work with. Yep, and maybe not very durable. Right. Okay, so that's why they're in there. They play an important role. Now let's talk about, you know, what the new regulations in Michigan look like. You know, how is that going to affect us? What's happening with all of this? So the regulation uh, covers a bunch of different categories, maybe 30 different categories of coatings. Everything from asphalt coatings to, um, you know, traffic marking paints, you know, line striping paint on parking lots. It, they all, all these different categories have different VOC limits. The first national rule was established in 1997 to set 
some kind of standards. Before 1997, there was no regulation whatsoever. It was the Wild West. Yep. You could put it 100% VOCs, whatever you wanted to do. So now, in 97, they started to reduce VOCs on a national level. And then states started to say, hey, you know, we want to take this, it'll be a little more aggressive. We want to have rules, too. Yeah, we want to have our own rules. All right. We want to have special rules. All right. And this is California, mostly, kind of has led the charge, not only in paints, but also in automobiles and stuff like that, as far as emissions go. So there's been this progression over the last 25, 30 years to reduce the amount of VOCs in paint. And they do this by targeting different maximum amounts that can be in different types of paints. Okay. Because some types of paints are more dependent on the presence of VOCs than others. All right. All right. So what's happening in Michigan then? What Michigan, are we gonna, what's it going to look like for us? Michigan is going from the least restrictive regulation, this national rule that was established in 1997, to essentially the most restrictive regulation, which is there's only a handful of states that are on this much restriction. Okay. Um, and so what that's going to do is it's going to mean that some of the products that we're used to using and having in our stores, we we can't sell anymore and you can't use anymore. So largely solvent-thin products, oil-based type yep. products, yep. just going away. Yeah. The, the, we, we, in a lot of cases, we're able to try to formulate down, formulate some of those VOCs out by either finding replacements that are not VOCs, you know, a, a solvent that doesn't mm-hmm. photochemically react, for example. Okay. Um, in some cases, we just can't take enough of it out. So you keep saying we. Are you speaking Repcolite specific? Paint, the yeah, paint that's what I wanted to get general. at. So it's not just us. It's oh, no, everybody, everybody out there, yeah. and some are able to reformulate certain products. Other products are just flat going to go away. Right. And it's also helpful to understand that this is a very uh, interesting map that's playing out as far as what the regulations are in different states. What might be available in Ohio is not available in Michigan or vice versa. Okay. It's it's kind of an interesting landscape that way. So is there going to be a black market? That arises. Uh, uh, um, I know when they restricted the flushes of toilets, there was a black market. Yes. I wouldn't be surprised. But, you know, the industry has been very, um, you know, proactive with the government and all this to to try to um, do the right thing. Okay. I guess is the way to say it. All right. So we're, a lot of these solvent thin products are going away. Water based products will be largely reformulated to fit under the whatever. The regulations, limit. the limits are. And maybe, you know, people out there are tempted to think. I initially was tempted to think. Now, I knew it affected me because I work here, you yeah. know, so I knew this was going to affect me. But home, personally, I don't know. Is it really going to be that big of a deal for me? I use mostly water based paints. I can't think of a time that I used a solvent based paint in the house. Right. You know, I just don't do that. And so I figured, not a big deal. Maybe other people are in that boat. Well, then I started thinking about it a little further, and I realized, oh, solvent-based, solvent-thin polyurethanes. I love using those. Those would be affected. Interior stains. Yeah. I know that I use that, and that would be affected. Those are oil-based. What about deck products, things like that? High-performance coatings that have to withstand severe abrasion or water resistance, those kind of things. Right. So I think most of us are going to be affected, you know, some of us more. Some of us is just a little bit, but when we're affected, it's going to hit us at some point, yeah. and we're going to realize that. Now, I think the the natural outflow from that is to wonder about, well, the water-thinned alternatives, the water-based stuff, the new stuff, it's going to be just as good, right? You know, 
for the polyurethane. There's water-based polyurethane. That's just as good as the oil-based, right? Right? <laughs> How do these water-thinned alternatives yeah. work compared? In, in a lot of cases, that's true. Uh, you know, water-based paint technology has just really advanced tremendously in the last 20 years. Partly due to these regulations that started back in 1997. Requirement is the mother of invention. Yeah, right. Yeah. I don't know if that's how that's said, but uh, I just said it. Well, necessity is the mother. I've of changed invention. it to requirement <laughs> and write it down. The Put it in the books be from here on out. Yep. So there have been tremendous advances, and for a lot of things, you're right, Dan. You don't need to use oil-based paints anymore like you used to 20 years ago. Uh, because of that advancement in technology. But there are still some areas that are, that it's difficult. And I want to get into that. I think we're going to talk about that on the next segment. We're going right. to dig ex, you know, expressly into some different scenarios, deck coatings, stain blocking primers, stains, polyurethanes. And we'll talk about water-based versus oil-based yeah. and all of that, pros and cons. Now, why would we talk about that? I'm sure there's people wondering, if I can't get the oil-based anyway, there's no point in having that conversation. But... There's a very interesting caveat to this whole story, and it really hits us in a very unique way, right? That's right. Yeah, Repcolite in particular. Um, in this new state regulation, there is a clause in there that says that any company that produces less than a million gallons of paint a year um, it has a five-year deferral. So basically, we can spend the next five years working on developing these lower VOC products while we continue to sell the traditional items that we've sold forever. So that's that's really exciting. That's uh, It puts us in a very unique situation, yeah. Because we make our own lines of paint, and pretty much if you're using a solvent-based product, a traditional solvent-based product, and you're really concerned that that's going away, because when are these gone? Are these like well, off the shelves now? Oh, yeah. Some of the national brands at the beginning of January, they already stopped bringing these things into the state of Michigan. Yeah, and we'll be able to keep making them and selling them. We've got five years, years to work yeah. on our reformulation, which is really happy for us because I know Brett in our lab, yeah, he the our main chemist. have another aneurysm over yeah, this. Yeah, <laughs> another one. <laughs> because, yeah, heading into this, trying to reformulate all our products. And then he heard there was a grace period that came out just recently. Yeah. We've got five more years. All right. So that kind of sums up the whole thing. So you yeah. can get those traditional coatings, the oil-based stains, exterior, interior, oil-based polys, high-performance coatings. We can still sell those products. Yes. And that, that part's really good. So that's why we're going to take a break right now. And then in the next segment, we're going to talk about the pros and cons All of right. water-based yeah. versus solvent-based in a bunch of different areas. We're going to hit that next right after news and weather in Grand Rapids and a Repcolite Rewind in Detroit. Dan, you can wait with me. You don't have any choice. Uh-huh. You're okay, on the show I'm now. Right this here. is this is your thing. Chained to this chair. All right. We'll be back in just a minute. Stick around. And we're back. You're listening to the Repcolite Home Improvement Show, and we're taking boring, potentially boring topics <laughs> and turning them into radio gold. Yeah. yeah. I'm Dan Hansen, <laughs> and I'm here with Dan Altina, president of Repcolite. And yeah, you're the temporary host for a while. Yeah. How does that feel? Is that is that so fun to you? So far, it's great. Yeah. Well, so far, we've got two segments in. Yeah, well, so that's all I can say. As you wake up point. every morning, are you like super giddy that you get to come I'm and do thrilled. this? Yeah, I'm yeah. Thrilled. It's really fun. Yep. I've been singing in the shower just to get my voice warmed great, up. Great. Mm. Great. I'm glad you live somewhere other than where I live. That's nice. <laughs> anyway, this segment, we're talking about last two segments, I guess, this one and the previous one. We're talking about Michigan's new VOC regulations for paint and coatings. They went into effect in April 
2023, yeah. this April. And really, to get the full information, check out the, the past segment. You can go to RepcoLight.com when the show is finished. And you can find the the podcast there, you know, right on the homepage. But to summarize, Dan, what just summarize Michigan's new VOC regulations in three sentences. Uh, in song. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of VOCs that are we're allowed to have in a coating have gone down. Okay. Fairly dramatically. So uh, paint manufacturers, paint retailers all over the place, everywhere you go are largely removing a lot of the solvent-based yeah, stuff from their shelves, things right? Things are no longer available for sale. Just yeah. not getting that stuff anymore. That's the big impact. Even the water-based products that we're familiar with, a lot of those are being reformulated mm-hmm. to hit certain VOC limits now. Right. And hopefully, you know, a lot of those things won't, you won't see performance changes. That's certainly the goal. That's the goal. But if you see things working a little differently, it's most likely what's going on. And there's no way around it. It's just, it's, the regulations, yeah. they have to be met. So that's what's going on. Again, there's a lot more information. And also we dug into what VOCs were and all of that. That's all in the previous segment. Check it out. In this segment, I want to get specific. Now, as we mentioned in the last segment, Repcolite can still make and sell solvent-thin products. These traditional... There's a, a clause or a, a little escape hatch yeah, in the in regulations the regulation. that, that applies to us. Yeah, as a small manufacturer, we, we can continue to make these things for several years yet so as we, we develop the new low VOC alternatives. Yeah, we need time to get that figured out, so we'll be working on that. Yeah. But in the meantime, we can sell these traditional coatings to anybody. So the big question is, why would that matter? Now, there are contractors out there who really love certain products, certain solvent-thin products that they love, and they're they're bummed to see them go. And whether they shop with us or not, at least there's an alternative now, because chances are we make something like what they've been Similar using, what they've and, and we can help past. you with yeah, that. Absolutely. But a lot, of, a lot of homeowners maybe are thinking, no big deal, right? Right. I well, haven't used solvent-based something in a while anyway. At least that's what we think. I tend to have that general glancing thought when I look at what I've done in the past a little bit, but I'm largely thinking about my wall paints and stuff. Right. You know, that's where I'm mostly using paints, and those are all water-based. So why would this matter to me? Well, like I mentioned in the last segment, there are a lot of solvent-thin, water, oil-based products that I'm using that I don't think about. Polyurethanes, interior stains, exterior stains, my deck coatings, the deck coatings yeah. that I really like to use are all solvent-based. And, you know, I'm getting them from Repcolite, but if you get them from somewhere else, they're gone, yeah. right? Pretty yeah. much gone from the shelves. So we're left with water-based alternatives. And that's what I want to really dig into here is how are these water-based alternatives? How do they fare? And I think this will be good for anybody out there, whether you're interested in this conversation about VOCs and regulations or not. It's nice to know why a solvent-based coating might be better, might be worse than the water-based alternative. So let's start with stain-blocking primers. It's something we... You know, every now and then a situation arises, and it happens a fair amount. I'm thinking about water stains on a ceiling. Yeah. You know, you had a leak. You've got the big brown water stain forming. you got to prime that. If you just put water-based paint over top of that. It just bleeds through. Continues to another, bleed through. Uh, another version of that is a knotty board. You know, you put water-based paint on it, and those knots bleed through and bleed through and bleed through. You can put 100 coats of paint on it, and you'll still see where that knot was. Yeah, I did that in a basement. Mine was, it was a water stain. But yes, the same thing happens with trim, you know, pine with all the knots. But I had the water stain, and this was right after I started at Repcolite. I could get discounted paint, but I did not know 
that much about <laughs> the paint that I was getting. You know, I was just a week or two in. I had a new house. Let's just go. So I'm painting in my basement, and I remember painting this wall that hadn't been painted before, and this one little ring came that through. By the time I got to the around the room, that's bled through to the surface. So I painted it again, and then I bled through again. And I went back, and I painted it again, and I watched it bleed through. Yeah. It just came through that fast. And so then I went to the store and told them what was going on. Some crazy magic happening in my house. They said, it's a water stain. Put this on it, and you're good to go. They sold me a solvent-based product, a white pigmented shellac. I put that on, blocked it. It's a stain blocker. Now I could put my water-based paint on top of it. All right. So let's talk about stain blocking for that right. instance. There are a lot of water-based stain blockers out there. You know, How do they work? for blocking out the kind of stains that we were just talking about? Our experience is that it works about 80 to 90% of the time. Which sounds really good yeah, until you're until in there. Yeah, you have to repaint 10 to 20% of your house, you know. Right. So, yeah, they're not quite ready for prime time. I mean, they're good. They are good for a lot of purposes. But Water-based stain blockers. Correct. But they're not as good as the solvent burner alternatives that right. are 100%. 100% of the time. And, yeah, if you're a contractor, that 80 – I mean, that's a huge that's a deal. That's, that's, that's money maker, you know, or money losing. You yeah. can't afford to have 80% of the time you're going to get good results, 100%. Right. Sounds really good. That's where the solvent-based products really work. If you're dealing with water stains, knots in wood, stuff like that. Smoke damage. At, yeah. At this point in time, you know, stop out at any Repcolite. We can get you hooked up with the right products that are going to 100% of the time work. Yeah. Right. We've got five more years that we can still be doing that. Right. All right. So stain blocking primers. What about deck coatings and stuff like that? Right. Deck products. That's another big one. Uh, in our experience, we've really never seen a waterborne deck sealer that holds up. And we sell them too. We're not yes. just dissing somebody else's products. Right. We, yeah. And in some cases, people need to use them. And, um, and there are benefits to it, you know. Yeah. It can go on a, a damp deck, whereas a right. solvent-based, it needs to be completely dry. Right. But one of the issues that we run into with the water-based, I mean, the thing I've run into at home personally is that it just it dried too fast to actually penetrate into the wood. Yeah, and it's not necessarily the speed of dry that causes that. It's the If you would look at it under a microscope, it's the molecular structure. It's the difference between an emulsion and a solution. You know, a water-based paint is an emulsion. It's little globs of oil dispersed in water, mm -hmm. where a, a solvent-based coating is a solution. It's all one thing. And so when you're looking at a piece of wood, say under a microscope, you can see how much further an oil-based coating will penetrate compared to a water-based, just because those globs are not so small in the oil, in the water-based coating, they can't get into the grain of the wood. So they just so they lay sit on the surface on top more. And then they wear off or weather off. Now, see, so you're saying it's not because it dried. Now, the instance that I had, I, I applied it when it was too hot, which didn't help. But you're saying that's not my main problem. Right. I mean, I've got. Let's not go into all of my problems. But in this <laughs> instance, let's not. My man, who's got time for that? I'd be I mean, interesting. It'd be interesting for you to get maybe. the records out. <laughs> got medical records about all the issues. It's a, yeah. It's, it's the an, globules it's an, or the globlets. It's an inherent problem in the in the kind of the microscopic structure of. A water-based coating versus a solvent-based coating. Okay. It just doesn't allow it to penetrate as much. So bottom line, a solvent-thinned 
deck coating is going to perform better, generally it speaking. It will age more gracefully. It won't peel. Right. What about rust-inhibitive stuff? You know, we've got metal clad. It's an oil-based, rust-inhibitive product. It, what about water-based versions of that kind of a product? That seems counterintuitive. Right, yeah, to put something water-based. I'm going to stop that rust by putting water on top. Yeah, it, it, again, because of that molecular structure of water-based paints and the way they dry, there are, then this has to do with the stain blocking ability as well. Um, water-based paints leave a little microscopic little channels that allow moisture and air to pass through them. Even though you really can't see that, that on a microscopic level, that's what's happening. And so it allows things like a stain to bleed through where it can't through a, a solvent-based coating. The same thing happens with the corrosion resistance. You know, it allows a little bit of water vapor or water to get into the coating and makes it less likely to withstand corrosion. Than Whereas the solvent, solvent won't allow it's that like a, moisture to penetrate through. Permanent barrier. Kind so of. we've got Dura Enamel DTM, direct to metal. Yeah. That's a water-based product. Correct. How, so you're saying that's it's good. Yeah, I wouldn't it, use it in an extreme situation. Right. That's where the solvent-thin products really stand out. And yeah. we're going to have to push the envelope forward. You know, the whole industry will as time goes by and really develop some improvements in these water-based products to meet these needs because the needs aren't going to go away. Right. But yes. the, the solutions to them, at least we're the perfect solutions, change. have. So, yeah, the big changes are coming. I've got time for maybe one more. Another good one would be interior stains. All right. Say, like, you're going to be staining the a door. Mm-hmm. Um, water-based stains dry so quickly. We're, we're constrained by the evaporation rate of water. Um, and once, you, once they are dry and you go back over them again, you generally will see a lap mark. Oil with the stain, if you yeah. go over the stain again? <clears throat> yeah, if you work back into it with your cloth or whatever, now it'll look darker in that spot and it'll be blocked. Hard to get it to blend. Hard to get a water-based stain to be look uniform. Uh, oil-based stains are much more forgiving in that way. They work back into themselves and they allow for more open time. They, they You can manipulate them longer. So if you have something like an eight-panel door with all this detail that you need to be staining – it can be really difficult to do that with a water-based sure. stain and make it look good. So water-based stains, not quite there yet. Functionality, or you know, for yeah. that reason or application-wise. Application, yeah. Uh, polyurethanes. Water-based polys are pretty good. Yeah. I would yep. say those hold up fairly well. They generally need maybe one extra coat. Yes, they're they not as high in solids typically right. as a solvent-based version. All right. And then one last one, and then we'll wrap it up just because it's it's really been a big deal, especially in the Metro Detroit area. I know we've been at our stores there, and we just bought those stores in January, meeting customers out there, and a lot of customers are concerned about Satin Impervo, Benjamin Moore's oil-based product, right. going away. Yeah. Well, it's gone, right? There's yeah, just That's how that's going to be. Repcolite makes an oil-based alternative that cover. is available. Yeah. So let's talk about that. If you're in the West Michigan area, of course, it's it's an easy fix. You know, head to any Repcolite and talk to us about what you have been using oil-based-wise. And we've probably got an alternative, like we said a couple of times already. What about the Metro Detroit area? They don't have all of the Repcolite products in the store because 
just tent machines and stuff. We need. Yeah, we're we're putting both feet forward <laughs> to make sure that we get those products in there as, as quickly as possible, um, and mostly that's related to tinting. You know, um, certainly anything primer or deck sealer, those are all pre-colored or white and polyurethanes are, are just right clear. Now. Right, you can it's get just that. The tinting that's that in the next month or so, we'll probably have that all handled on the east side of the state. The main thing about, you know, I, I, as far as interior trim paints, oil-based interior trim paints, traditional homes, that's how they were painted. And what we see if we put water base over that, if we don't do our very careful with preparation, is peeling. So that's why we stick with traditional coatings in a lot of situations in older homes. Newer homes, not, not as much. big a deal. Right. Well, if you do have that situation, you're concerned about the solvent-based products going away, again, even if you're in the Metro Detroit area, stop out at any Repcolite location, talk to us about what you're working with, what you need an alternative for, and we can start that conversation. Even if it's not in the store right now, we'll figure out a way to get you what you need. And we can almost guarantee solve your problem. And if you're interested, you know, because there's the other side of things where you might be thinking, I'm glad to see the solvent-based products go away. I've got certain things that I've been forced to use that I don't want to use anymore. I want those water-based alternatives, but I need to know which one is the right one. Sure. If that's you, stop out at any Repcolite and tell us what, what you want to move away from, and we can steer you towards the best water-based alternatives on the market. Yeah. All right. That's all the time we've got for this. We're going to take a break right now. When we come back, we're going to be talking about hoses. Okay. Dan, you've been doing a ton of research. Yeah. We're I have gonna, a project at home. Yeah. We're going to see once what you came up with, some interesting stuff. That's all just ahead. Stick around. Well, Dan, we want to talk about hoses. I know that sounds ridiculously exciting, but after the VOC conversation <laughs> we is. had, it's really, really fun. You're listening to the Repcolite Home Improvement Show, sponsored by Benjamin Moore, and we're talking about garden hoses, right? This yeah. is something you're digging I'm into. researching right now, trying to find the right one. All right. Yeah. So what's going on at your house that makes you need one, and what are the problems with just the ordinary hoses? Well, I've got multiple situations going on at home, and some of the hoses that I currently have are fine. But I've also got some struggles. And so setting up sprinklers, you know, we're mostly familiar with things like a rubber hose or a vinyl hose. That's probably what you have in your garage and I have in mine. What are the differences between the two? I want to know which I have. Rubber are you generally black. Okay. um, And they're quite heavy and thick. Okay. I'm a wuss, so I would want something lightweight, so I doubt if I have rubber. You would probably not want that then. Yeah, vinyl is much lighter. Okay. Unfortunately, vinyl gets kind of hard as it ages. Oh, yeah. Especially if it's exposed to the sun. It can uh, get a kink in it that is permanent. Well, you know, yeah, it never goes to, away. You're right. Those are some of the big disadvantages to the vinyl hose. They're cold when it's cold out, they're stiff and they don't they don't stretch out. Nice. Yes, that's what I've got because I was hauling one in late fall. Yeah. And I was trying to spread it out because I wanted to it's use impossible. it and it sprung back and hit me in the face. <laughs> Split my forehead open. Right. It was a hose related injury. It was pretty <laughs> embarrassing to talk about and explain. <laughs> but I embraced it. Anyway, so yes, vinyl. Yeah. yeah. Vinyl is what we mostly have and there's these drawbacks. So what did you I find? I wanted something that was more, more resistant to kinking, less difficult to manage. So I could stash it out of the way 
when I didn't need it without it being this big mess on the ground. All right. So um, what I found was the hybrid polymer hose, which is kind of a new thing. Okay. And it's really quite interesting. It's quite flexible, mm-hmm. very flexible compared to a vinyl hose. Doesn't kink, or if it does kink, you can easily unkink it and it doesn't stay permanent. And it doesn't come back. Right. The, the kink, kink doesn't, doesn't stay right, in it. Right. It's quite unique material and it's what easy is it to coil again? Up. Hybrid. Well, sometimes people will just you'll just see it called a polymer hose. Sometimes okay. it's called a hybrid polymer ho- hose. How does it price out compared to? They're other... generally a little bit more money than rubber or vinyl. Weight wise, weight they're lighter than. Okay, they're lighter than the vinyl. Yeah, about okay. similar to vinyl. A little more expensive, but no kinking. Right. A lot of hoses say that they don't kink. Yeah. Well, these initially really... a lot of them don't. It's okay. Over time, that they start to kink. All right. So this one should stay nice through its expected lifespan, whatever that is. All right. Somebody drives over it with a car. I don't know. Okay. But so then the other thing I'm looking at is what the ends of these hoses are. Some of them, cheaper hoses have plastic uh, fittings, or maybe aluminum. The nice hoses have brass fittings on the end. Brass is much nicer. It's easier to get on and off from the faucet. It's heavier duty. It doesn't corrode. Uh, plastic, the stri- the threads can strip. Sure, that makes sense. Um, so that's the other thing I'm looking for. So I'm going to get myself a nice hybrid polymer hose with brass fittings. So now you've got somebody that you know, I don't remember who it was, but is using one of these and has really has had really good results with it. Yeah. It, it seems to meet what the, the claims are. Yeah, that's what opened my eyes to it, was actually seeing it in person and in action. It really worked great. So who was that and what my situation are they she, using it as? In their gar- in her garden. Just dragging it around. Yeah. So yeah. they'll coil it back up and it will yeah, uncoil well, nicely. Yeah, you can put not it in like a bucket, it. you know, just coil it up. It coils up very easily and uncoils very easily. Unlike most hoses where you're fighting it and it doesn't want to bend that way and you know this hose is just very supple and easy to maneuver. All right. So you're going to it's a I can't remember a hybrid hybrid polymer, polymer hose. Hybrid polymer hose, a little more expensive. We'll put a link in the show notes to check it out. You've got all kinds of yard stuff you're trying to do. You're trying to grow grass or something, yeah, right? I'm trying to long story short, I'm trying to get my yard suitable for a graduation party. Oh, great. <laughs> Yeah, so you should do what I do and just not have one. (laughs) (laughs) We did that with the first kid because of COVID. Oh, did you? You got so lucky. I know. know? Right now, that's why I feel. That kid really made it easy on us. Sure wish we had COVID back. (laughs) Anyway, we'll put a link in the show notes for the hose. And then I want you to let us know how it worked. Oh, yeah. When you've got a few of them on the yard. For sure. Because I, I, I hate the hoses that I've got. I'd like to find something decent. Yeah. But I don't want to just keep buying and buying and buying. All right, that's all the time we've got. We're going to have to wrap it up. If you want to catch this one again, you can find it online at repcolite.com. And while you're there, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. You can click the banner right on the homepage, and that will take you to a spot where you can subscribe, and you'll never miss another episode. Now, all right, whatever you do today, make sure paint's a part of it. The Repcolite stores are all open, waiting to help. I'm Dan Hansen. And I'm Dan Altina. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.